almighty to Sweat Equity Podcast. I'm your host, Law Smith, comedian, handsome, devilishly handsome, with a mullet, the best mullet in Tampa Bay. Uh, sitting here with me is my co-host, Alliance Purr, that is Caleb Fuddy. Woo! How's wow. it going? Wow, that's, Go that, you just shocked everybody's ears. We're off the charts this morning, Yeah, brother. that just went outside of the zone of recording. That's how loud that was to get your Ric Flair on. That's a three cup of coffee Ric Flair right there. <laughs> that's what that is. Uh, this is Sweat Equity Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. That's the cheat code on iTunes to get us up. The rankings, I uh, appreciate all the, the, the good love we've been getting back from Ray Roa's uh, podcast episode last week. And, you know, I've had a lot of, I should write these down. If I was a professional, I'd write them all down before we get started. But uh, I try to do it off my stone boozy memory and it's not always great. It's a little little foggy this morning. (laughs) Um, So I appreciate all the love. um, And uh, we have a lot, I'm really excited about a lot of the guests that we have going forward, but I'm excited currently right now to bring in our guest, uh, Greg Wolf of Street Laced. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me here today. For those from the Tampa Bay area, you may recognize him as Third Leg Greg. Yes, sir. And uh, and so you've been on air. I mean, give us your background. Um, you sure. obviously, uh, before we got started, I could hear you on the mic and it's like, oh, this won't be nearly as bad as when we have a website developer on <laughs> that you're trying to goat. Like, come on. No doubt. Speak into the mic. Yeah. <laughs> right in the dick. <laughs> for sure. Where the urethra <laughs> might be if this was a penis. So uh what's what's the story what's uh i can already tell you have a motor i do interesting so uh i'm already interested i already have a man crush what's uh what's the hat good to know uh well i mean if you really want to go back to where it all started that's where um, we want to start okay so i moved down to florida in 1992 93 um from the uh, maryland dc area and the reason we moved to Florida was my father, the, the summer before my senior year, uh, my dad wanted to get me motivated to get my grades up to go to college. Okay. And this is actually, let me rewind that. That was actually the summer before my junior year. And to get me motivated, Pop said, look, I want you to write down any college that you've ever wanted to visit in your entire life. And I was like, any college? He said, any college within reason, Greg. And so... Um, I made a list like Florida, Miami, Georgia, you know, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, just, you know, the schools that I'd seen on TV, college basketball, whatever. And so I made a list. What year is this? This was uh, 91. 91. Okay. And so uh, Pop said, look, we're going to go on a road trip this summer and for two weeks and we're going to visit all of these schools because I want you to see what is out there and I want you to get motivated to get your grades up so that you can attend one of these schools. That's cool. Which was awesome. Yeah. And we did. We went every school that I wanted to. We went to pretty much every college in Florida. I mean from literally from Gainesville all the way down to Miami and back. And for whatever reason, I fell in love with USF. And I think it was probably because of the proximity of Bush Gardens across the street. Wow. Uh, the the brewery <laughs> across the street. Yeah. Um, the girls, the fact that there was a beach close by, just the Tampa Bay area, there was a lot to offer, and I just I gravitated towards it. And when we got back, my dad said he thought it was going to be Miami. He thought for sure it was going to be Florida State. And I told him, I said, it's really USF, Dad. It's a school that I really just felt that that was the spot for me. And uh, sure enough, um, that got me motivated to get my grades in order and uh, got my grades to a point my junior year where uh, I was applying for for to get in. And uh, sure enough, I pretty much got into every school I applied at. And my dad said, listen, I'll make you a deal. 
Uh, you get into USF. He goes, I'm going to, I'm willing to pack it up and move down to Florida. And I was like, really? He goes, reason being, it saves me and your mother money by allowing <laughs> you us in, to get in-state in state tuition, yeah. right? To go from Maryland to pay out of state for a Florida school, too much money. So he did that. He built a house in Newport Ritchie at the time, which let's go back to 91 Newport Ritchie. Yeah. Nothing's out there. <laughs> Which was a drab. Um, For those outside the area. So about half the people that listen are here and okay. half the people are outside of the area. It's um, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to explain it. It's one of those, if you look at, like I was watching the big short the other night. Yes. Uh, you know how they go to Miami yes. and it's like a dead, it's these dead developments. Correct. Uh, it's, it wasn't even that no, yet. It, it wasn't really even wasn't. the dead development no. yet. It was Old people and rednecks in that in that mix. I mean, that was pretty much all there, there was in Newport. But Richie cheap land. Cheap land. And it's where uh, one of the big gangsters used to hang out. Capone? Or, no, no, Trafficanti. No, well, that one, I don't even bring that name up on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. That shit's still Damn. alive, man. Uh, no, That's just bad juju no, one right of the there. Old, one of the old Chicago guys. Okay. Like, uh, th- it used to be like the haven back in the day yes. for people that came down from New York or Chicago, real gangster shit. Still is, man. It, it probably is. It probably so. is. We'll, we'll skip right over that. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, the cool thing was... This will be our last episode of Sweat Equity. (laughs) You guys know now why. Uh, The cool thing was, is he found a high school development there in Newport Ritchie that didn't have a senior class. Because that was the one thing I had to do, was give up my senior year with every kid that I had grown up with, all my friends, to sacrifice my senior year. Yeah, that's wild. It was wild. But the cool thing was, there was a brand new high school in Newport Ritchie called River Ridge. And they did not have a senior class. Uh So they literally pulled kids from all the surrounding schools to make a senior class. So I wasn't the only new kid, which was great. And it was phenomenal. Ended up graduating with honors. uh, Ended up going to USF, which was a great experience for me. Uh, And while at USF, um, I got my foot in the door in radio uh, as an intern for the Hooters on the radio show. They actually had a show back in the day. Uh, on uh, 760 WBDN, which was actually in the same building at that time in Feather Sound, uh, which is right by the water where 98 Rock, uh, they were in the same building. This was an AM station that was brokered radio, which means people could pay. Uh, there was medical programming, kind of like they have here in Tampa now on mm-hmm. HNZ, where you have doctor programs, medical programs. They pay for that uh, that airtime. And so this station was no different. However, their morning show, the Hooters on the radio show, uh, was very much like a normal, um, you know, crazy, wacky morning show. They had Lynn Austin, who's the original Hooters girl, uh, Brenda Lee. There was a girl Julie on <laughs> it. Sounds amazing. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, they had a, their producer, the original Spaniard, Hooters girl, the original Hooters girl Lynn Austin. Hooters? She's, you know, up there in age now, but she was that just, original poster girl. Like, okay. if you go into Hooters, you see her when she was in Playboy. But I'm know. just thinking. I feel I'm, like beef jerky skin <laughs> in those pantyhose, man. Like those yeah. weird, shiny yeah, pantyhose. I'm no trying wants. to think of Greg as a, as a, as a, Young what, a fresh, freshman in college? I was high, actually, high school senior? at when that time, this? no, no. At that time, I was at USF, so that was probably my junior, going into my senior year, actually, at that time. I mean, I'm just picturing Greg sitting in there with all these Hooters girls doing a radio show. I was the intern, though. You got to remember, I was the bitch boy. Like, literally, the whole yeah. reason... And here's how I even got you're, in you're there. You're taking your punches, but you're in the fight, man. I was. Right? And the funny... play. This is how I got there. My brother at the time was working at a restaurant. And a lot of these radio shows, still to this day, do features where you have a restaurant come in, they bring you food, you talk about them, they do a deal or a coupon offer. And yeah. so my brother's restaurant got chosen by them to be featured. So he called me and said, Greg, you want to come down to this radio show with me? I was like, sure, I'll, you know, I'll take the ride. 
And when we went down, I was mesmerized again, kind of like you guys with this podcast, even though their studio was half the size of the room that we're sitting in. But <laughs> when you awesome. hear it on the air, it sounded like larger than life. Sure. And you come in and you're in this small box. I'm like, this is the show. And I was mesmerized by that. Well, the girls that day were talking about why men don't like to shop. That was the topic. Lynn Austin was dating or she was married to Daryl Dalton. She was she was married to a, a, a professional baseball player. So that's mm-hmm. how they kind of got on their topic. Excuse me. So. I came from a family where my mom was in fashion retail. She worked for Macy's. She worked for Saks Fifth Avenue. So we were around that our, our whole yeah. life. So we loved to go shopping for school clothes and new gear. So when it came time for us to come on and talk about the food, I just opened my mouth, which I probably shouldn't have because we were there to talk about the food. <laughs> and I just said, excuse me, can I ask you guys why you think that men, not all men like to shop? Because that's not necessarily true. So they're like, who the hell is this kid coming <laughs> yeah. in, like, you know, bringing up his own, like, you know, mojo. And so... There was like this natural banter between me and the girls. And after the break was over, um, they said that was really good. And I said, I really enjoyed that. That was awesome. So do you, do you guys like have interns or anything here? And they're like, well, I don't know. We've never had an intern. It's AM radio. So we've never had an intern. So I went to the GM and I said, I would love to be an intern for this show. And he was like, well, you need to go back to your university, find out from your professor. Can you get college credit for this? And I followed the steps. And sure enough, I got approval. And became an intern on their show. And what that meant was, you're going to be our bitch boy. You're going to go get her coffee. You're mm-hmm. going to go wash my car. You're going to go do laundry. I'm like, that's not really what I signed up for, but <laughs> yeah. I get it. That's part of paying your dues. Yeah. And um, one day they woke up and said, you know what? We have an intern. We need to go send this guy out to do stuff. Yeah. Like, why do we have a morning show? We have it. So the first thing that they ever sent me to do was uh, I had to go to Walgreens and um, pretend that I had my wife on the phone. And I didn't know why I was going there or what I was doing. And they just said, just go there and call us when you get there. So I did. And the whole premise was, you're going to pretend you have your wife on the phone. And we're going to send you to go get really embarrassing things. And so literally, I'm going down the aisles. I'm getting like preparation H. And I'm, you know, I'm just getting really <laughs> embarrassing Vagisil and just like terrible stuff. And so they, they tell me um, to go find maintain cream. And I was like, what is that? And they said, go ask the pharmacist. So I said, go to the old man pharmacist who was there. I said, do you guys have maintain cream? And the pharmacist is like, maintain cream. What is that for? And I'm like, honey, what is that for? And she's like, it's to maintain wood. And I said to the, <laughs> I said to the guy, I'm like, it's to maintain wood. And he goes, I don't know if we have that, but we have a small hardware section over there. You may want to look for it. So, so um, it was hilarious. And sure enough, like I ended up running out of the store. I don't remember where other items were. It was so long ago. But I ended up running out of the store screaming. I was having a hemorrhoid flare up and my ass was on fire and literally ran out of the store. So that was kind of the stuff they started to send me out to go do. The most memorable two bits that I ever did, which is ironic to where I'm at today, the the first one was um, when Raymond James Stadium was being built, and the big news at that time was the taxpayers had to pay this half-cent tax in Tampa to help with from Houlihan Stadium, which then became Raymond James Stadium with the new development. Yeah. So it's I supposed to be split with like education costs yeah. as well, Th- right? Thank you, Mary Chalura. There that's you my, go. That's my uh, best friend's dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it, this is, we're talking 96, 97-ish, because yes. it opened in 98. It was like 96, yeah. and so... Um, so they said the big news that day was they had groundbreaking. So the next day they're like, we were, we're going to send you out there as a taxpayer in Tampa. We're just going to send you out there to start digging. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. So they're like, you, my dad was in construction. So I went and got his hard hat and a flannel and a shovel and literally went out that morning to where they had the tent set up where they had the chairs from the groundbreaking. It was all fenced off. So I had to hop a fence 
which you already can see where this is going. Yeah. I had a hop offense, and I literally had one of those earpieces back with my cell phone. So I had the earpiece in. I could hear the show, and then they're just like, go ahead, start digging. And so literally I started digging. They kept checking back in with me every like 20 minutes, and I'm literally digging, and you could hear the sounds of the shovel going into the ground. <laughs> sure enough, didn't take long before a security guard uh, comes up to the trailer. Security guard comes Whack over. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. No, it was. It, was. Yeah. it probably was. I, I don't know how I know that. <laughs> I don't know why my memory's that shitty. Like, that was one of the biggest security companies in in this area at the time. Yeah. I think they did everything it, on Harbor Island. They, they did, did everything. Because they it did. was called Wacken Hut, and there's yeah. a lot of dick jokes like right there i think that's why probably was (laughs) okay so (laughs) this security guard comes over to me and he's like what are you doing and i said uh i'm just working brother you know i'm here to work and he was so confused and uh, and he was like well what union are you with or what like this they already had this ceremony yesterday i'm like like, look man man. i I just said look man they told me to come dig (laughs) so i'm digging and there's this exchange between me and this guy and uh, it, it, not that I was getting cocky, but I was getting cocky. Sure. And I was like, I'm a radio guy. He didn't know that. But um, sure enough, uh, 5-0 rolls up. And I panicked and started running. <laughs> and so you can hear on the radio me just booking. And the cop chases me down, uh, sure enough, and for trespassing. And puts me in the back of the cruiser. And Are you uh, still on the phone with the show? Yes. That's amazing. So the producer Holy gets shit. on, because the, the show's freaking out now. They're like, oh, crap. We just got our intern arrested. This is our fault. No, so they're not. Like, ratings are going through. Through like, the roof. People are like, calling people are loving in. it. Yeah. Well, so we, you got to time out in a second, because it's like, you got to remind people, that, like, doing bits in the morning, right. big deal. Big like, deal. In, in the radio. 90s, it was huge. Huge. It's yeah. like, that's what you had to do to compete. And, and like, it's not like it is now, where it's no. like, uh, digital. Know, well, it's digital, but it also, it's so formulaic. Radio now is yep. horrible because it's so formulaic because it's only three players own 95% of the radio stations yep. in the country. Yep. So, so it's like CBS, Clear Channel, and... Um, Cox. And Cox. Yep. It's those big three. It's a big oligopoly. They don't want to do anything risky, so they just, it's almost collusion to a degree because you can't, you can't really start a radio station because the entry, the barrier to entry is so high and it's kind of dying. So... You got to factor all this stuff in when you're thinking about you're doing these bits. Yeah. Back in the '90s, when you used to buy CDs right. of bits from your favorite radio True. DJ. I mean, I think uh, I think the '93 here was they would have yes. like the crotchety MJ, Christmas calls, yeah. right? And that MJ. would be like a CD they'd sell. Correct. Yeah. Same with Bubba. He did all sorts of bits that people would buy those CDs because they wanted to relive them and and enjoy them. So, so. you're you're in the back. No, let's go back because you're in the back of the police Cruiser. car. Yes. With a, a cell phone that's attached earpiece. earpiece. So the cop just put me in there to hold me there. And sure enough, the good thing was I did have a Hooters on the radio t-shirt on under the flannel <laughs> so um when the cop came back and asked me what are you doing and then i finally you know yeah. took the earpiece out and explained him look this was a radio bit i'm sorry i didn't mean to trespass they sent me out i'm basically pleading my case with him the good thing was he was a fan of the show nice <laughs> so he let me go and i said listen i don't want you to let me go just yet i want them to be freaked out so um the gm gets on the horn he knows he's in on it knows that you know listen he's okay he's not getting in trouble but the show didn't know so the show still thinks that they got their intern arrested <laughs> so sure enough they're like crap we're gonna get fired like he's going to jail like so i literally waited in the rest of the show and let them muddle in it and sure enough i kicked down the studio door right before the end of the show i said got you mother effers i got really you. yeah nice. so that was great so that's huge that man. was a huge one and then the second huge one was when the ice palace was being built and the ver- and the news that day this was, is the hockey stadium yes for tampa, tampa bay lightning mm-hmm. uh they had just completed the first ever ice on on the on the ground floor at the ice palace and that was the big news of the day 
So they're like, you're going to go down to the ice palace and you have to do whatever it takes to get center ice. We're not telling, we're not giving you any information. You can go down there, whatever you got to do, but you got to get center ice before the end of the show. Wow. How the hell am I going to do that? Right. It's a construction zone. You know, I don't have any credentials. So I literally borrowed my buddy's hockey stick and it went down to the arena and got to security and said, I'm here to see Phil. <laughs> and they're like, uh, excuse me. And I'm like, I'm here to see Phil. I have a tryout. And they're like, Phil who? And I said, Phil Esposito. Like, I'm here. He told me to come down. <laughs> they're like, well, they're like, the offices for the team are in downtown. Like, this is still a, a construction zone. So this is not this. You need to go down there. And I was like, well, I'm just going to stay here because he told me to come here. So they're like, you're more than welcome to sit over there. And you're, so I, you're a bigger dude. I'm, you could pull this off a little yeah, bit. I was, that's what yeah, I was just thinking. I, mean, I was like, you could have been a hockey goon. Yeah, like, you I don't think defender. I looked quite like this back in the late 90s. But um, <laughs> so sure enough, it wasn't working. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to think, what the hell am I going to do? And um, I go back outside and uh, I see a line of guys with construction, like with equipment and stuff, kind of making their way in through the back compound. And again, still my dad's hard hat in the truck, grab the flannel put it on and try to like blend in with the Jesus. with the guys and they actually worked. I got in with a row of guys going into the building cuz I had a construction hat on, they didn't check ID. I literally got myself in. Now I'm in the building. Yeah. But doesn't mean you're going to get on the ice. So I go to the Zamboni guy and I go up to him and I explain. I said, "Look, I'm with Hooters on the radio show. Um, I have to do whatever it takes to get center ice. I don't need a lot of time. I just have my disposable camera. I got to take proof of this and I got to call the show and let him know that I'm on center ice. So after con convincing him, uh, he said, I'll just hire you as my assistant for the day. I was like, are you kidding me? You're really going to do that? He's like, I will do that for you for the radio thing. Awesome. Call the show back. I'm like, you mother effers, I'm getting it done. I've yet to not complete a mission you've sent me on and I'm sure as hell not going to stop today. So they're like, what do you mean? I tell them, hey, the Zamboni guy said he's going to hire me for the day. They're like, we want to talk to this guy. I put him on the phone, and they're doing everything they can to detract him from letting me get on the ice. They're telling him I'm off my medication. He like <laughs> snuck himself into the building, don't believe anything. And I see his facial expressions go from like this elation to like he's worried. Yeah. And I was like, dude, what did they tell you? I'm like, whatever they're telling you is crap. He's like, well, I don't know now. I might lose my job. And I'm like, listen... Give me five seconds to go out to the ice, and I'll get off and get the hell out of here. Yeah. And so sure enough, man, they open those two doors, and I literally wow. call them. I say, you guys ready? They're like, what? And I literally dove onto the ice and just went down the middle of the ice <laughs> and stood there. And I'm like, you mother effers, I just did it. I am standing center ice. I took a picture with the camera. I said, I'm done. I'll get the pictures developed. Some so of the original selfie. The say, original selfie. You couldn't and see what they looked like. Nope, no clue. Hoping, hoping it came out good. <laughs> you had to go to the Shutterbug stand and hope, hope, to, hope to God it comes out. It was amazing to be one of the first people in Tampa that wasn't a employee of the team or um, you know a construction person or whatever to actually do that and stand there center ice and look around that arena was amazing and now fast forwarding all these years later 20 something years later here I am, the actual in-stadium host for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. I it, don't know if that was Mojo. I got touched by the hand crazy. of the hockey gods, but that's kind of how I got my start in radio. Well, we know. We know how it, you got there because, look, it, you've already told two stories about how you mm -hmm. – you, you're maybe naive you know, when you're younger, but you can use that as an advantage in Absolutely. a lot of ways. And so it, you have the mindset of going, I'm just going to figure Make this it out. Make it done. Yeah. Get it and done. And if I, if I fail – that's fine, but I'm going to try two or three different ways. Correct, to make I it feel, happen. I feel like a lot of people would get, if they got their dick knocked in the dirt that first time. They're going to be out. They'd be like, yeah, well, work. sorry, guys. Yeah. You guys sent me on a bad mission. Right, yeah. Blame them. And right. it's like, 
no, you're the intern. You're the do boy. Yep. You're supposed to be out there doing the zany stuff for them remotely to earn your stripes, Correct. but also be entertaining. And uh, and you got to figure out. Look, they didn't give you any tools. They weren't like, here's a set of James Bond shit to nope. work with. It was like, go figure it out. And I did. And you probably had to pay for your own props. You had to borrow a hockey stick. I did. Stick, like, I borrowed a hockey stick. You know, got stuff from Pops. You know, I did whatever I needed to do to get it done. Like the you construction just said. weaving in is almost like an '80s movie. It was, dude. It really was out of an '80s movie. Like Ferris Bueller ish. Hundred percent. So I'm just gonna weave in for a half second and just get in there. See, I, I, to me, it's one of those things where you can. It, it's all about the state of mind, right? So the person listening to that story, they either take it as a comedy. Or they take it as kind of a, a little bit of a motivational factor of being like, damn, am I willing to do that? To get it done. To, to, to get in and to get into anything. Not just, and radio has that, it has that culture, right? It has For that, sure. it's fun, it's funny, you get to do those kind of things. You know, I'm sure that you know, someone gunning for a job at Raymond James or something isn't necessarily, they're not like, go try to get on center ice. You know what I mean? But I'm sure there's, there are other things. How far are you willing to go? That's pretty much. And that's what I love about those stories, man. That's incredible. So the girls actually gave me the name third leg, Greg, the day that I was running from the cops because they're like, they somehow tripped on the fact that, man, he must have had a third leg to get out of there as fast as he did. It's like, he's like third leg, Greg. And so that's how the name, yeah, that's that's how the name came. I know everybody else said, yeah, hundred percent. You can ask my girlfriend. I thought it was a big hog or something. No, they're like, this guy's got a lot of balls to do the stuff that he does. Really was weird. I'd say shaft, but yeah. Balls and shaft. Uh, So yes, that's how the name third leg Greg got to me was this kid had a lot of balls. He didn't care. He didn't, mind breaking the rules to get things done and, yeah. and he also runs as fast as if he had three legs because uh, when the cops are chasing him he took off so that's how the name um, stuck and um, I got my first real taste of radio reality when um, I showed up for work and the doors were locked and everything had changed a Spanish radio station had bought out a Spanish company had bought out that signal and everybody got booted now mind you while mm. I was there doing my internship I learned how to run the board. I learned how to produce a commercial. Like I sat with the production guy who was the producer of that morning show and said, I know they want me to do coffee and go do these crazy bits, but as a college student and now has a, um, an interest in the radio side of things, I want to learn everything. And so he really taught me the things I needed to learn. And that led me to go to the GM um, before the end of my internship and said, listen, I know this is a brokered station. Um, I know how this game works now. I've learned how to run the board. I've learned how to produce commercials. Would you let me have a one-hour show on a weekend? I don't care if it's at 3 in the morning. Just so um, I can understand how to put together a radio show. And he was like, you know what? For your final project, I will give you one hour on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock, which was prime time, even on an AM station for me. And he said, but you're going to show me your one-hour clock. I want to see what is your show about? Uh, you know, who are you going to talk to? Like, I mean, talk radio as you guys are podcasting is a lot different. Oh yeah, than music, music stations because you only have short talk breaks. You know, you, you, nine times out of ten, you have a sponsor tie-in. It's usually you a talk, plug, yeah, it's a plug or yeah. whatever. So, talk radio is a whole lot different when you need to come up with all that content. So he wanted me to map out the full hour. The cool thing was, is he said, you have that entire hour to do what you want. You want to go sell ads. You've learned how to produce commercials. I'll even let you go out and find your own advertisers and go sell your own ads. 
And so if you want to make a little money on the side, this is your opportunity. I took that ball and ran with it. I went to every mom and pop shop I could find because I was living in Carrollwood at the time. I found a pizza place, a bagel shop, a consignment store, a Chinese restaurant, and told them, listen, I'm a college kid. I have this project I can work on for $50. I will produce a commercial for you. Your commercial will play twice during my show. I'll yeah. let you approve the commercial before it airs. I absolutely ran with it and got, um, I think I got 12 people to jump aboard with 50 bucks a pop. That's great. And produce my whole show. My show is the Third Leg Greg Show. What is it about? Well, it was about the hip hop, the, the uh, Tampa hip hop scene and the, what was going on in Ebor at the time, like the Ebor update, like with the, what clubs were playing, what music, what DJs were there. Uh, one of my buddies from USF was actually a production intern for MTV. I'm like, that's a great interview. Yeah. I was writing uh, music reviews for the Hive Hip Hop magazine. Let's interview the guy who runs the magazine. So I put together this this clock, and the show was terrible. I mean, after the, all these years later, <laughs> like, I, oh, oh, yeah, I have a tape of it. It was awful. But at the same time, it was an opportunity. And sure enough, um, the next Monday, I came in to talk to the GM. I said, you listen to the show? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's not, it was not bad for somebody who's never done their own show before. It was pretty good. You had good interviews. He goes, but let me ask you a question. He goes, you had a lot of commercials. And they were all your voice. And I was like, well, you know, you said produce your own commercials. He's like, it was just funny, though, because you'd hear you talk. And then you go to this one commercial you did. The next commercial you did, you didn't have anybody else in the building voice your stuff where you just ran with it. So it was like the Greg show. I'm like, well, that's what it was called, the third leg Greg show. <laughs> so I said, OK, now that my internship is over, I did my show. I said, just out of curiosity, again, understanding this is a brokered radio station. If I was to keep that one hour slot on Saturday, how much would you charge me? Because broken radio is not cheap. But back then in the late 90s, it was affordable. So he goes, for you, we're just throwing out there shits and giggles. He goes, I'd do it for 100 bucks. So I threw 800 bucks on the table from all the commercials I sold. Nice. And I said, book me eight weeks. And wow. he was blown away. He's like, you're serious? I'm like, is that money green? <laughs> and so he goes, okay. And so sure enough, I had my own radio show, Third Leg Greg Show. And again, focused on underground hip-hop, local hip-hop. I actually brought in a DJ who literally set up on the windowsill because the room, again, was smaller than this room. He set up is like we had a live DJ. Like So I understood what it was going to take to try to entertain and, and create my audience. This is before social media. I literally had a team come out here on Saturday and Friday nights and hand out flyers to promote my Street show. Street team, baby. Street team, baby. Yes. That's where it all kind of pa started. Paper that. Yeah. Papered it. So um, <laughs> so, so, so that's how the, the, the Third Leg Greg show started. So let me go let me go back a little bit because um, what I'm hearing is kind of, I mean, it's, it's what we try to preach on our podcast all the time, and it's just amazing the – the story that you have to get to where you are now and there's still so much there's more to fill more. in it's like yeah. it's absolutely incredible um but but going back you know even thinking of the premise of your show yep. was that something you were already um ingrained in and something that you already kind of or or did you say i know there's a need for this it's not really the lifestyle i'm living but it, it's no, not it's, be, it's not being no met, it's you interesting know? you touched on that a huge hip-hop fan growing up even to this day and Tampa Radio at that time in the 90s, all we had was FLZ, and FLZ didn't really play hip-hop. Yeah. Uh, there was more no... Top 40s more top 40s. It was more top 40 pop music, you yeah. know, the, the, the Stevie B's and stuff like that. Um, the only station in Tampa that would even play hip-hop was 88.5. Uh, they had a show called the Underground Railroad. Uh, it was like twelve midnight yeah. to three yeah. in the morning. Yeah. I forgot with about Mad that. Links and yeah. Little Lou and all those guys, and I gravitated towards that show. Made friends with those guys. 
Um, but there was that need that there's no mainstream radio station in Tampa playing this music. So even if I have to do it on an AM station for one hour, that's what we're going to focus on. But mm-hmm. my spin, as a, as opposed to those guys where they're playing national artists, was I want to focus on the local hip-hop scene because, again, I was writing for the hip-hop magazine. I saw that there was a scene, an underground scene, if you will. Yeah. Um, but, again, I was like, we need to bring this to the forefront, and that's where I brought in my DJ and said, let's just focus. I brought in local artists to interview them and talk about that. So it was really, um, that was kind of my passion. Like the mm-hmm. hip hop world was always my passion. Um, and to have the outlet to uh, expand on that was really kind of the brainchild of it. And um, which was interesting because shortly after, it was 98, shortly after the station got sold, my show's gone, everybody's gone, is when Wild 98.7 came on the scene. This oh, was yeah. in the summer of 98. Yep. And that's when that radio station played Wild Thing. Over and yep. over and over and over again created such a buzz in the city. Like, why is the station? That's all they're playing. I remember it very well. Yeah. I was in eighth grade. Yeah, with Brett Metcalf's dad, we're going out to St. Pete Beach from Tampa. Yeah, in his minivan, he's uh, he's pounding beers as he's driving, which is fucking terrible. Awesome. <laughs> it's completely legal back then, man. I mean, completely legal. I mean, it could it, it could have been soda, but. I don't think Did they put soda in cases just, like that. Just be glad you're getting a ride, all right? Yeah, um, right. So anyway, th- it probably didn't happen this way because my memory's dog shit. But anyway, I do remember being in the car and we were like mesmerized by Wild at 98 and right. the promotion they did. They played Wild Thing nonstop yep. for a whole weekend. It was like Memorial Day weekend. It actually lasted a couple weeks. Oh, really? That's it because everybody was glued to the radio going, when is it going to change songs? Right. And then, but the, the the bit was they're on a boat. Correct. It's a pirate, Josh and Brian. It's a pirate radio station. Correct. They, they took over boat. the signal. Yep. Yeah. And Josh and Brian, we're on our dad's boat, bro. And like literally these two stoner dudes who had the entire Bay Area looking for this boat. Um, and the funny thing was they took a picture of a couple guys on a boat with a spray painted sign that said we're wild or something and used that picture to kind of leak it out so that people really started thinking wow, these dudes really are on a boat. They stole their dad's boat and their pirate radioing. And it was genius because yeah. it wasn't yeah. a pirate radio station. It was actually a company called Intercom. It was a group of guys who decided this is how we're going to launch the station. And then you, if you recall, they started adding one song here and there. It was Master P, Make Them Say Uh. Yeah. It's Silky Fine, Romeo and Juliet. And like all these songs <laughs> that, you know, you're like, oh, the, yeah. All, the, all the good ones, All man. the great Damn. songs. So that's how the station kind of uh, Sounds was like my birthed. wedding playlist coming up. <laughs> I, so I did everything I could to track these guys down. I'm like, man, my CD collection is like, Fabulous. I need to get these dudes and get them some more music. Come to find out the research I did, it's this company, Intercom. They're out of St. Pete, um, and they have big plans to launch this station. They've already kind of leaked it out. And so uh, I actually got to the um, marketing director. His name is Mark Gullett. And uh, I interviewed with Gullett like five times. For some, for some crazy reason, Mark thought I was a spy for FLZ. And the only reason he thought that was because I had prior radio experience in the market. Doesn't mind, mind you, it was an AM station, a rinky-dink station, but he had his own show. He thought I was in cahoots with FLZ. Mm-hmm. The guy that I was in uh, talks with, his name was Pete. Pete was his assistant. Pete was like, Greg is a go-getter. You don't understand, this guy is legit. Yeah. You need to bring him on the team. 
So finally he caved and he brought me on the promotions team. Did he have you do some crazy ass thing? Nothing, dude. Because back then, literally promotions, all we did was we drove around in a van that was spray painted. Mm-hmm. We don't suck. I don't know if you guys remember the, the white van. Uh-uh. Yeah. It was a white spray painted van that literally said Wild 98.7, we don't suck. I think at that point I was in, uh, I might have just started, uh, I was maybe finishing elementary school. I remember <sighs> having a conversation with my mom. <laughs> Jesus. Just hear, hear me out. I'm having a conversation with my mom. I'm like, I was like, uh, put it on the radio and yeah. you know kids did just talk and you hear about you know you started getting the radio and that was my first uh, like when remembering like man when the radio was just really cool right when it was like man the radio played all the mute everything now it's it is very formulaic it is mm-hmm. very oh, yeah. t- it's so it, even the hip-hop stations are yep. top 40s now and it's, yep. it's kind of a shame but back then it was like oh yeah did you listen to Wild 8.7 and I listened from the time I went to school you know, didn't listen during school and then as soon as I got home right on my, on, on my boombox yeah. the whole night I used to tape the shows on tape so I could listen to them later when sure. you know shows weren't on because I had a walk you know a little walkman yeah. tape player and I go ride my bike around dedicate still listen to it so Love that and I remember telling my mom like this is like a pirate radio station and they're out on this boat and she's like what and yeah. she's in media like she buys and sells media so she knows like all this stuff and she's like I don't think that's really true. And I was like, you don't know anything. I was like, <laughs> you, know, like you don't know. These guys are on a boat doing that. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It was a great launch. Yeah, it I mean, absolutely it was. And we're obsessed with pirates in the Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Yeah, so it made kinda, sense. It, it, it made it a really lot of does. sense. Yeah. So I got my foot in the door at Wild uh, in promotions, and that's what I did. And I said, same thing there. I said, once I get my foot in the door, I'm going to sit in with the jocks. I'm going to learn how to run the board. I'm going to learn how to do commercials. And, and that's exactly what ended up happening um, at that time. Uh, the only jocks on the station were uh, Orlando, who's still there to this day, uh, Scantman, and Flying Brian. Those were the three jocks. Mm-hmm. And I took time to meet with all those guys and sit in and made great friends. We were amazing like as a group, as a unit. Every, it was a, a very tight-knit family. And uh, I started, like I said, running the board, started doing overnights to get more experience. What's overnights for people? Uh, it's yeah. literally like midnight to like three in the morning, four in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and just to try to hone my craft. And that led to me doing weekends. Um, and then from that, I became the assistant promotions director because Pete left. And um, from the assistant promotions director, uh, doing the weekends, doing overnights. I mean, I, like literally, I didn't sleep. Um and what that ended up happening is the night guy who was Big Mama. I don't know if you remember that. It was yeah. a very short stint. Big Mama was not there very long. Wasn't there like a, a big Big Mama's house or something like that? No. No? Okay. No. Well, Different guy. I thought, I thought that was. Uh, that was so Martin big, Lawrence. It was Big Mama. <laughs> That's what that was. That's what that was. That's exactly what that was. So Big Mama. It's cool. You get all your um, black people confused. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. He ended up getting. Was that Medea or Medea, right? Medea. So he, <laughs> ends up, he ends up getting booted. And they come to me and say, well, you know, we need you to be the bridge over water until we can find a replacement for Big Mama. Now, mind you, at this time in 99, um, Wild was huge and every jock in the country wanted to go work at the night show position at the hottest radio station in the country. What ended up happening was um, and again, I would see all these. Uh, air check tapes and resumes come into Orlando's office by the box load mm-hmm. and that all that did though was motivate me to like let's kick ass let's I had my wild bunch on the streets every night in a different city in Tampa doing stuff interacting with listeners that's your that's your street team and my street it's team essential. was the wild bunch yeah, correct yeah, yeah every night I had something for them to do uh, because I'm like we're gonna win this battle by taking over the streets we have to be visible we have to be in front of people that's what's going to win this battle we're gonna crush our competition and that's what ended up happening we were in the nightclubs every night of the week and the ratings where big mama had left they started to dip 
And when I took over, they leveled off. So they said, well, let's take our time and find the right talent to replace mm-hmm. Big Mama. And the ratings started to go up. And so they said, all right, well, let's, you know, we got a little time to, to breathe here. And the ratings just kept going up and up and up to the point where they finally said, you know what? Why would we go outside the market when we have somebody who's dedicated to it, who's from this area, who understands the lifestyle, who's now shown it in the ratings? We're sticking with this guy. And they signed me to a three-year deal, yeah. uh, which blew my mind. What a huge accomplishment yeah. wow. to go from where I was How to old now. How 20, let's see, I, I just graduated college. I think I was 22, 21, 22. Now working at, awesome. dude, the hottest radio station as a 22-year-old yeah, in it, Tampa. Well, there's a lot of things with that. So there's the whole theory of you see a fire, do you go in to take care of it or do you go call someone else? Right. And so you didn't go, well, fuck, I, you know, I'm going to get boxed out because these resumes are a lot Huge, better. big guys. You went into Chicago, the fire. Right. Yeah, you're like, I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll give it the best I can. Yep. And you're probably like, if I don't get this, at least I'll try. write. I'll write notes and I'll go. Here's what I won't do the next time. That and I'm also getting experience and I'm getting air checks. So if if I don't make it here, now I've got, f- I've got a catalog of footage that I can send out and maybe I can get a job somewhere else. A that was my mindset. Reel, a right? sizzle reel, if yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's I was getting content, and uh, saving it all. And so, yeah, I mean, it was really one of those, I'm just going to give it everything I have and see what happens. And this is what I want to bitch to a lot of people that are 18 to, you know, whenever you have a good back, let's say, <laughs> anybody like 20, 18 to 28, you know, it's like, you, you've got a lot of time now to hustle, to make up for, I uh, look, I'm not, I wasn't like a smart kid growing up, but I worked a lot because yeah. I knew that could, hustle makes more, makes way more out of uh, an employee or out of a successful person than being knowledgeable. I know a lot of smart people, but they can't get off their ass to go do a a lot of different things at once. You you didn't even know you were becoming an entrepreneur while you were doing it. You just knew that, okay, what do I have to do to get it done? You don't have to think about it like, uh, I'm gonna be this polished entrepreneur one day. This is what I wanna do. You're just like, here's what I wanna do. If I got to figure out how to sell ads, I'm going to figure out how to sell ads. Correct. I, I get the I get the revenue model. You know, it, this isn't for free. Right. You know, the, and uh, I realized you realize where you are. You weren't like an entitled guy where it's like, hey man, I've been I've been busting my ass. Right. Give it it's to like, me. No. No, I've been busting my ass to get to here. Correct. To do this. So when I have that that like a running back, I got a little bit of a hole in between the line. I'm going to take that squeeze and just run. Right yards with so, it. so and with that what was kind of the motivation at the time i mean what was it just that you wanted to be around the scene you wanted to be a part of something like did you yes. you knew you wanted to be in radio i, I think did. that was obvious at that point yeah and you go back to where the the whole idea was the hip-hop wasn't here in the market and mm-hmm. now here i am working for a station that that's why they came in the market wild came into the market because flz had dominated so long and they found the void. I think the issue was people looked at hip-hop music as a black music, a black culture, and Tampa's percentage of African-Americans was like in the low percentages. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's not going to work. Why do you think that African-Americans are the only ones that listen to that music? Right. There's a huge Hispanic community right. here. There's White people love that music, too. All so the kids at Gory Elementary School are yeah, listening man. to it on the ride here home, dude. So, <laughs> and taping it, <laughs> riding around on their bikes. So that <laughs> company, Intercom, which eventually turned into Infinity Broadcasting, which turned into CBS Radio, they understood that. They said, we're going to take the chance, and we're going to go balls to the wall with this. We're going to be in your face. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to be a part of from the yeah. jump. And so that's kind of where I gr- why I gravitated towards it. 
And um, once I got my foot in the door and saw the mold and the model of what they were doing, I said, this is absolutely where I need to be. This is why I feel like I'm at home here. And so kicked ass, like for almost seven years, was the number one rated night show uh, in Tampa Bay. Destroyed wow. my competition. It's interesting now because the Kane show on FLZ, which is the no- one of the number one um, radio stations or, or radio shows um, in Tampa, but also he's syndicated across the country. He was the night guy at the time, and I destroyed him, which is great. Because look yeah. at him now, like he's, yeah. you know, his radio career is beyond blossom, way past mine. But it was funny to see that well, he, I crushed somebody who, he, um, you know, at the time was. To, to be fair to you, though, I've heard, I've heard you on the radio for years, so it, you know, I knew who you were before uh, Caleb was like, "Hey, we have Greg coming on." Um, I, you know, I li- I was a radio nerd as well, listening as much as I could. Yeah. Sure, especially the talk. Yeah. I, because I guess I had an interest in stand up, so I was always interested in the guys that could be funny on air. Because it's a stand up for me is it's half visual as well. So uh, even though I don't move around a lot, right, it's still just emoting and just yeah. you know being there in that in that space where um, <laughs> with what you're doing, like Kane's very a very uh, Seacresty kind of guy, like very polished, yes. vanilla, yes. never going to take a stance. Seems like <laughs> doesn't have like like does he's not going to play Master P no if he has control over that correct and he's going to be he's going to be the the host that maybe wanted to do some TV hosting kind of stuff you know that kind yes. of secret and he's great in that role yes. I mean but totally different no, than what we were doing you I'm know not what saying mean? he's he's good or bad I'm just right. saying that's, different that's the position he wanted to be in. correct and, and he's doing a great job at yeah. it I love him to death um but we were we were in a heated battle for quite some time but kicked his ass so I can say that and I still think I have that little you know thing against uh, on him and he still to this day I think <laughs> is, is bugging about that but um so that was um that lasted until uh 2006 and uh, left wild, not on my own, but my, my contract was up. I think they wanted to go in a different direction. That didn't end up working out so well for them for a few years after I left, but that wasn't my, my decision or my choice. And um, when I left in 2006, I got interviews all over the country. I was flown to Minneapolis, New Orleans, Kansas City. Again, because program director said, this guy's dominated at Wild in Tampa. He's obviously got the mojo. We want to see if he can do for our station. But and nothing, we can get him at a lower rate at a lower he's rate. younger. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I said no because nothing um, – I was really close to going to Minneapolis, really close. But uh, we just couldn't come to terms financially. And I was like, I'm not going to uproot my life in Florida to move to Minneapolis. You know, oh, yeah. the whole culture shock yeah. and everything unless it's right and it didn't feel right and it so wasn't I didn't the it. cool minneapolis it is now really N- right you no know, this is this is 20 years ago so it's like it's the it was different it was cold yeah uh, it's it just boring just, it was different city <laughs> it, it was not different. the liberal like artsy kind of community i mean i'm sure it was there but it's not like it is now no yeah. so um sure enough um mark gullet who's the guy that hired me at wild was the vice president of marketing for the lightning and so as soon as I got let go, I reached out to Mark because, again, he saw me go from point A to point B and uh, dominated when I was put into that role and asked Mark, hey, you know, is there anything over at the organization that would be a good fit for me? And he was like, no, not really, um, but, I, but I know your work ethic, would love to have you a part of the organization, so I'm going to put your resume on the top of my stack. So if anything comes aboard that I feel may, may be a good fit, I'll give you a shout. Sure enough, man, three months later, I get the phone call, and all he tells me is, wear a suit. And I need you to meet me at the game. Mm-hmm. And I said, what is this about? He goes, I can't talk about it. Just show up. Hmm. Random. Little leap of faith. Random. Yeah. So I show up to the game, wear a suit. He comes and gets me. And all we did that night was observe. And so uh, we watched everything that was happening on the plaza. 
uh, and I didn't know what am I supposed to be looking at. You know, he really didn't tell me much. Uh-huh. And so he just, I, I want you to observe. So I'm watching everything that's happening on the plaza, uh, just kind of taking in the pregame vibes and just kind of looking around the arena, the game day experience and all that. And so we go down to his office and he says, what did you see tonight? Uh, and so I told him what I saw. And um, he goes, the guy that was out there on the mic, the host of the plaza, he goes, what did you think of him? I said, I thought he was corny as hell. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, not only was he corny, but he's just not he's not getting it, what I need done. And so uh, I'm like, well, what is that position? And he goes, he's a marketing coordinator. And he works for marketing, but he also handles all the execution of the game day elements on the plaza, interacting with sponsorships, um, just kind of being that host for the fans. Um, and marketing for the Lightning back then was doing so much more, obviously, that the, the media buys, the, the premium item giveaways, doing a lot of bobbleheads and schedule magnets. They, they handled everything. And so, um, sure enough, he let that dude go and brought me aboard. Uh, and that was in 2006 and was a marketing coordinator and that's exactly our coordinator. And that's exactly what I did. I took, took, uh, the helms of the plaza at uh-huh. the arena and handled all the game day operation stuff on the plaza as far as booking talent, the bands, the DJs, uh, doing kids games, you know, making sure that the plaza map was all laid out for all the sponsorship and stuff like, which still goes on to this day. Jesus Christ. And dude, so that's, that's a sh- sh- fucking crazy job. It was yeah. awesome though. I loved I'm it. Sure. I'm like yeah. now I'm in professional sports and, um, and the 2006 to 2009 was a stressful time for the team. Cause that's sure. when things were changing. Ownership mm-hmm. was changing hands. And, um, but we, again, my Mark really understood the marketing world. He was, he was great at it. And we did some pretty amazing stuff. If you guys remember in 08, when we got stammer, we were the guys that created the scene stamp coast campaign that completely took over this city billboards, Mm t-shirts, like all of that, which had never really been done for an NHL player of that caliber, having not been in the league yet. Like people are like, who is this kid? Yeah. And, um, it was a, an amazing campaign because looking where Stammer's at now, we look like geniuses back then. We right. did viral videos. Um, like we took Thunderbug, used to have the inflatable Thunderbug costume that was like eight feet tall and like a person would get in it and it was like airblown. So mm-hmm. like it was like wavy and just kind of crazy. It's the mascot. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we went out to the beach and, and terrorized spring breakers. Like you can go to YouTube <laughs> right now and go to YouTube and type in mascot terrorizes spring breakers. And literally it is a video of him uh, kicking sand on people, chasing little kids. <laughs> it was hilarious. That's awesome. And so we put this up, put it on YouTube, and just naturally put it out. And uh, we got a phone call from E! Entertainment Television. Yeah. And they said, hey, uh, are you the guys that created this video? And we're like, why? You know, because we did it on the hush. <laughs> and they said, well, we want to use this video for our uh, E's uh, Wildest Spring Break moments. Nice. And in order for us to do that, we have to pay you. And so we're like, oh, yeah, sure. It's us. That doesn't so sound terrible. Our yeah. boss, uh, Mark, was like, wow, you're now making the team money because of the social media antics and things and that you guys. And you're like, hey, why don't you give me some, give you us a me, little bit more. You mean, <laughs> yeah. you mean so me, I'm m- making money for me doing this stuff, right? It was awesome, man. It <laughs> now was, it goes through the team. It does now, and we didn't get a cut of that. But <laughs> um, the fact is that we were doing outside-the-box uh, marketing ideas to, to draw attention to the organization. And um, – during that time from 2006, 2009, because um, you're probably going to go, how did you become the host of the Lightning? There was a di- there was two hosts back then for the Lightning. They had a girl, Jenny Dean, and they had this dude, Todd. And they would alternate games. I don't know what the arrangement was. And one game. They were Todd, divorced. They probably were. Todd was out of they town. They didn't want to see each other ever. <laughs> Todd that's was out. I, that's how I visualize that. It Todd like, was. Um, I will not be there on Wednesday games, okay? He yeah, has Wednesdays. And I got Thursdays. <laughs> yeah. Todd was out of town. Uh, and Jenny 
um, had a family emergency that day. And I heard my boss talking to the game ops guy in his office talking about what the hell are we going to do? We're like an hour and a half from game time. Right. And so having that radio background, being in front of huge crowds, rocking concerts and all that, I, I peeked my head and said, Mark, I would love the opportunity to come in and host this game tonight. Yeah. I would love to take love this that opportunity. Job right so <laughs> pretty much. Yep. So uh, they said, we don't have a choice. And Greg is more than capable. So they said, all right, we're going to put you on headset and you're going to do what you do. And absolutely rocked it. Had a blast. Thought it was amazing to do that. And... I became like the fill-in guy for a while, and then let me ask you this: before, Sure. Uh, so, how much did you know about hockey before you got in with the Lightning? Very little. I'll be honest with you; I didn't so, really know. A lot. I came from DC, so like we were Caps fans. So my up. my my thing is, you absorbed a lot because you had to get to know. Correct. You had to get to know the company you Correct. were marketing for. Absolutely. And that and the that players involves getting like not only knowing the employees around the stadium, right. Everything about the stadium. But how the game, game is works. played, yeah. I, I mean, feel like there's a lot of marketing people or promotions people. They get in and it's just like, oh no, it's just like any widget you put it in and all. Well, if you, if you keep it, it in that box, that's where it's going to stay. Right. Correct. So you you absorb the game. You're like, I got to learn this. This you isn't do. my this isn't my strong suit. Right. Uh, I'm going to guess basketball because you're a hip hop fan. Right. I'm going to say that Venn diagram is pretty uh over almost overlapping one to one. But I'm saying like you had to. You, you had to absorb the game to be able to walk in. Sure. Uh, I talk about Ralphie Mays' rule, be prepared to be ready. Yes. So he had the 10 minutes. He had the 20. He had the hour ready to go if he ever had to go up anywhere. Correct. Uh, same thing. Same theory. You knew the game of hockey because you're like, fuck it. I got to learn this shit. You absolutely have to. Because I never know when this is going to happen. Who is Vinny LeCavier? And did I pronounce <laughs> that correctly? Right. Like you, you absolutely had to uh, absorb it. But since you're in it, it was easy to absorb it because you're around people that were extremely knowledgeable mm -hmm. of that uh, of that. Sure, but I mean, I've gone to games. I, I know hockey, but I don't know it well enough. I don't think I could co-host a game off the off the. No, there's jump. no way. I no, played in until ninety. I don't know what the lot, hell. I'll yell at the TV all day. I don't know what the hell icing is. I have no oh, idea. Come on now. <laughs> really? No idea. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. Learn. You need to learn the game. It's basically when you go and take the puck from your zone and you clear the puck and it hasn't touched a player or a stick or anything, and you're basically just trying to get it out. And when you get it out and it hasn't touched another player or a puck and it goes into their zone, if nobody else from your team or their team has touched it before that point, it's basically back to the other circle. And that's why you see it in the last minute of play. They're just flinging the puck down to try yeah. to clear it, to try to keep their lead. And they're like, all right, blue whistle blows. We're bringing it back to the zone. Because it wastes a lot of time. It does. Gotcha. So, I mean, you can learn about that on your own time. That's what I'm saying. Play the video game. <laughs> play the game, bro. Get a Sega Genesis. I don't, I don't play video games, man. Yeah. I, don't, I do podcasts, brother. That's true. Go. He's working. This is our video game. So, recapping. Um, so, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door as host. And over the over the per, per um, the progression of time, the Todd God, Todd guy left. Jenny uh, went on to radio, and so I became the guy. And then uh, I did that also for the Tampa Bay Storm, which is our arena football team here in Tampa as well. And did that pretty much uh, the whole time I was there. The Lightning ownership changed, and Oren Kules and Lynn Barry, who bought the team, Oren was actually the guy who's behind all the Saw movies and the whole Saw franchise. Oh, really? yeah. So we said, wow, these Hollywood guys are coming in. This was right when we did Scene Stamp Coast. This was right when we had viral videos on E! Entertainment Television. We're like, if anybody's going to understand, these guys are on it. This is the team. <laughs> it was him. We're like, this guy's a Hollywood guy. He'll get it. The problem was all the stuff in the background that nobody knew about, the turmoil, the, the, the loans to the bank and all yeah. this stuff. 
that's before Vinick bought the team. And the problem was because of their financial issues and the things that they had and the people that they were putting in positions, they blew all of us out. Yeah. And there was no reason. Like some of us were good at what we did. Why are you getting rid of the in-game host? What did I do wrong? You know what I mean? And so, again, they wanted to do things their way. And they had a girl uh, take over the hosting duties. And no disrespect to women out there because women, you guys are amazing. However, in certain circumstances, like in, in an arena, women's vocals go up an octave if oh. you will when you're trying to project and everybody used to say it's like nails on a chalkboard hearing this girl call the game right and i was like well you know that's their decision that's what they want and i stopped doing it now mind you i continued to do arena football because she didn't want to do that and the arena football league folded for a few years yeah. um but then it came back and they continued to have me do it for then um but when vinick came in and bought the team and brought his people in they listened to the fans and the fans are like, what happened to Wolf? Why is he not yeah. doing games anymore? And I got a phone call after the ownership change and they said, do you, we'd love to have you back. And I said, I never wanted to go anywhere in the first place. And so I've been doing that ever since, uh, 2011, 2012 season. And we had a lockout. So I got all excited. We're coming back and there yeah. was a lockout. It's like, damn it, man. So since the lockout year, I've been back. It's been an amazing run so far. Uh, was that know, lockout the year after the lightning won it? It, no, well, there was there was that lockout two thousand four, two thousand four. But then there was that one in twenty eleven, twenty twelve, and so they had a um, shortened season, right? It was a half. It yeah. was a little little less than a half a season. Yeah. So uh, came back and we didn't have a good season that year. Um, but ever since then, it's been an amazing and run. And the NHL was like, oh man, because it used to be they used to be one of the big four, yep. and now it's kind of the big three. Yep. But hockey's kind of coming back a little bit. And this it city is, is it's it's huge. Been back, it man. is it, it owns. I mean, it's besides surprising. the Bucks, you know, it is the Lightning, and uh, it, it's been an amazing run. Uh, I think to, it's because they, they have good AC. They have great I think, well, I think AC. Seriously, I I. This is one of my big theories about why it <laughs> works. No, you're absolutely right. It's Look air conditioning. It's ice in the summer in in uh in Tampa. What's up? I was just wondering if the music was going to kick in. Here we no, go. No, no, I got it. I got it. Cool. Uh, I got it set off to the side. Of okay, here. cool. Um, so no, it's one of those things where how do you get ta well, Tampa Tampa Bay area is not a hockey. It's not a hockey city. There's not that many rinks. It is now play. though. It is absolutely. I know, now. but they're building well, a new one right off is. of uh, here's my seventy five. Yeah. And I'm putting my douchebag marketing hat on. It's <laughs> my theory is. Look, ladies control a lot of the the plans guys make. True. So if ladies like to go Absolutely. on a date because yep. it's AC, it's comfortable, it's ex it can kind of keep your attention no matter if you don't know the game or not. Right. If you go to a baseball game, you're like, oh my god, kill, fucking kill me. Right. Uh, but hockey. hockey, it just it everything's nice in there. It smells good. That's, I mean, I think I think you're right, but I don't think that Vinick was like, man, I want to buy a professional sports team. Like, what are the ladies going to want to go do? <laughs> well, like, I don't think that conversation no, well, happened. Uh, well, nah, I'll, I'll, Maybe shit, it did. I'll shit on this point a little bit because yeah. Vinick, he made that stadium the sixth most used stadium in the country. Absolutely. That's He had a utilization rate that no one else did, not the Hollywood guys, right, none right, of that. Right. A lot of it is a lot of big concerts, pop stars. Oh, yeah. A lot of yeah. ladies. Amelie's in one of the top arenas in the world, not just in the United States, in the world. It's but they, the top all, five. they also do so many, and this is going a whole, a whole other kind of place, but there's just so many surrounding areas to the metropolitan area of Tampa right. that it makes a, a large city. For sure. Yeah. You know, when you, when you branch out to Brandon, Riverview, when you go south of here, when you go... I mean, Sun City Center doesn't really Sarasota. count. So. Queen Bay is about to start a tour. Hey, she, she'll right be here. in there pretty soon, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. next uh, Friday, actually. She'll be uh, at Raymond James Stadium. So rumor has it Jay-Z and, and They're Queen here. Bay are, are, are on Davis Island. And Maybe in a house, renting it. I mean, why not? She's starting her tour here's, in Florida. So Here's, here's the thing that, that, that drives me crazy with this is that 
they they are living in a house on Davis Island, all that kind of stuff. But why does that, why do we have to have news coverage Who on cares? it? Tampa is never going to be a cool city if we can't get people to rent houses on Davis Island. Correct. And it drives me nuts. There was a my my fiance's sister was um, doing a, a lemonade or her she was over at her friend's house right on a, on Davis Island, and her little sister was doing a lemonade stand outside outside in their driveway. So. Jay Z and Beyonce they're come. Twenty seven, by they're, the way. They're out walking. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's an adult <laughs> lemonade stand. <laughs> yeah, they're they're out walking and they stop by and they buy some lemonade from them. And the dad comes in and he's like, "Uh, yo, Beyonce and Jay Z just straight up bought lemonade from us." And they're like, "What? That's awesome." And Gabby's little sisters, she's 12, 11, 12. and so she's like, "Oh my god!" So she told Gabby the other night, and Gabby's like, "Don't say anything." Right. But like, people aren't supposed to know. Well, I guess it got out, it and now it's like every news outlet is like. Are, they're like have right. They cameras do, they have there, and, it's like and no one's gonna want to come here right. if this is how it's gonna be. When they're right. so, so, it's driving me nuts. You you act like the journalism has integrity. Like it, it's like oh, well, I who know, can get this story out first mm. because but it's I'm gonna like, get a dick load of clicks. A yeah. dick load, no like it, girthy dick load, <laughs> like a lot. It's it, gonna be triumphant bastard. Look, if it, it made its way to me, and I try to avoid all that shit as much as possible, yeah. I definitely saw these news reports. I right. hate this kind of shit. It's like, well, as soon as so, Gabby's why known, are they just staying with Derek Jeter? Gabby's known for like three weeks now and she's like she told me and she's like don't tell your sister your sister's gonna tell everybody i'm like i won't tell her because she knows everyone on the island everything. so and it's one of those things that you see it get out and it's like it was only a matter of time until so there's yeah. news cameras there they're and gonna stay crap. here like their first yeah it's miami on the 27th and tampa the 29th guess what as soon as it's done they're out of here because yeah. they got their own houses to live at and then know? they're gonna be looking for jeter's like baby Whatever. blue lamborghini rolling around well, or something so my thing is like for me i see that as an opportunity for us because there's not a lot of news going on maybe there's a wedge to get in there because there's not shit going on here a lot of the time. That's a big news story. Maybe we're going to have Jay-Z on the podcast next. Who knows? I'll, uh, I'll have the fourth girl that got kicked out of uh, Destiny's, Destiny's Child, Child that mm. I, we thought was the hottest. And yeah, we were kind of wrong. She wasn't. Yeah. No, she <laughs> we was terrible. Wrong. We didn't know how wrong we were. Um. So so let's. I want to I want to jump back into it because I'm seeing just... I mean, I'm on Street Lace website yeah, right so let's now. let's talk about Street Lace. And it, it seems that a lot of uh, what I'm seeing on the website... It goes hand in hand with your stories and it goes hand in hand with kind of the route that you've been where a lot of the things that you've done in the past have been outside the box, have Correct. been grassroots efforts, Correct. Has been, it's been a, um, and as it should be in my eyes, it's been a hustle. It's not, we don't sit back and just have this formula that we plug into a computer and we get you exposure. Nope. It's, it's hard work yes. and we have the know-how. And if you could talk a little bit about what Street Laced does sure. and, and maybe, um, just kind of your your motivation to start Street Lace. So Street Lace started when I was actually at um, Wild. Um, I used to do a, a, a high school spirit contest called the High School Hala, and kids would call up <laughs> Monday through Wednesday from 30, oh. they had 30 minutes. Okay. What, what was it called? High School Hala, because remember Hala was like the big word, not Hala like the bread, yeah. but oh. Hala, you I'm know, like, like Rule, Ja Rule had a Hala song, Hala, is this Hala. A Jewish community center? It is. <laughs> Hala. So the kids would call up for 30 minutes each day, Monday through Wednesday, and vote for their high school. The school that had the most votes on Thursday, we would crown them champ. And on Friday, we would go out to the school to blow out free stuff. The problem with that is, in radio, is going to your program director and say, hey, I'm going to go hit uh, Largo High School on Friday. I need uh, a box load of CDs and T-shirts. We don't have that, Greg. 
So I'm going to look like a douche going out to 1,500 school, 1,500 students with a box of CDs. That's not going to fly. So there was a guy that I would see all the time in Tampa. His name was Blaze. And Blaze was, and that's his real name, not Blaze like, you know, the American Gladiator, but B-L-A-I-S-E. Yeah. So Blaze was a record rep for Atlantic Virgin Interscope, big labels. And uh-huh. he was the guy in the market that whenever Eminem's album came out, he would have to saturate the market with Eminem boards and like Eminem album in stores. He'd be in the club setting up tabletops. And so I would see this guy show up with all this stuff. Yeah. I always wondered about that guy. Yes. You never see him. You never see him, but he was like stealth, but the stuff would be all over the city. So he was that guy, and I I, would see him in the clubs, and I'm like, listen, man, um, how much product do you have? And he would show me like a van full of stuff, and I said, look, what do you have to give back to your superiors at the labels? What Do you have to do reports? And he said, absolutely. I said, isn't the target teens? I mean, they're the ones that are buying music. He said, absolutely. I said, what if I told you? (laughs) <laughs> that I could get you tons of pictures of kids holding your product, teenagers, uh, that you could send back to your peeps that you're, I'm doing the work for you by getting it out to the masses. He's like, absolutely, dude. So that's what happened. Blaze would load me up with stuff. I had plenty of things to take out to these high schools and blow stuff out. So he became my number one ally. Wow. And so um, when I left Wild, he approached me and said, listen, because uh, his full-time job was with Delta. So he told me... Uh, he it was like two different worlds. Right it was there. two different yeah. worlds. Jesus I mean, but the good thing is, you know, free airfare and flights and, and meetings and all that. So he told me, he said, listen, um, I'm getting kind of overwhelmed with all the workload I have. And since most of this job is relationships and DJs and networking and uh, you kind of have a, a stronghold on that, uh, I could use your help. And the more we talked, uh, I said, maybe I shouldn't work for you. Maybe we should start a legitimate marketing and promotions company together. But I'm only going to feel like I'm bringing something to the table because you already have five major record labels. Let me go get five more. And so I got some smaller labels because uh, they saw the mold that we're doing for the biggers. And they said, yes, we would love that kind of marketing promotion. So I got five more. We had 10 labels. Huh. And that's all we did. We were the liaisons for these labels in the market to get their materials out, to do these um, in stores and all sorts of stuff like that. The problem is, as the music industry changed and everything started going digitally, the teams like ours uh, got dismantled. Because unless you were a top 10 market, LA, New York, Chicago, uh, Tampa not being a top 20, we were 22 at the time, uh, they dismantled our team. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, what the hell are we going to do now? And what we did was we channeled that those relationships and that knowledge of the radio business, of the music business, and we helped local artists. We we Guys that we felt had a buzz but didn't quite, they hadn't got over the hump yet. Okay. And we have the knowledge, the wherewithal, and the relationships to help you do a six-week program with us, and this is what's going to happen. We're going to introduce you to the world and get your foot in the door in a bigger capacity that you can expand what you're trying to do. And is this in the hip-hop community? Yes. So, so is this the is this the Tom the Tom G's? Tom G's, the Aka Fools, the, the, the yeah. J Shins. Yes, okay. that's exactly what it was. And one of the things that we did was called a Power Hour Dinner, and this is part of their package. And the reason why this works so well is DJs like to eat. They like to drink. So we're going <laughs> to get... The amount I of time, DJ Khaled, <laughs> the <laughs> yes, big man. The farther the 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 amount of time as an artist it will take them to go build a relationship with DJs, whether they're club DJs here in Ebor or strip club DJs or whatever. The amount of time it's going to take for you to take your single, go talk to DJ Kaz at the club, buy him a drink, let him listen to your music. He's DJing; he doesn't have time in the club to listen to your yeah. shit. So he's got to take that home. How are you going to get him to listen to your stuff? There's a whole lot of uh, factors that go into that in order for you to build that relationship that's Mm -hmm. one guy what about the other 50 right so what we told the artist was we're going to get them all together at one time yeah 
And what that's going to do is it allows us to give the platform. We're going to give you the platform to explain to the DJs why you need their help and how they can help you. Mm -hmm. Not only that, now that you have them in one spot and they're fed, they're happy, they're drinking, they're happy. You have the opportunity to go to each one of them now, get their contact info, their email address. Let me get your phone number. You have the opportunity to network, but it's up to you to do the work. We're not going to do. We're going to give you the outlet, and then it's up to you to take well, it, take the ball and run with well, it. It sounds like you guys already did all the work. We by did this as, thing up, as far as assimilating that, yes. Yeah. But a lot of these guys took it to heart, and they did just that. They went and talked to each one of them, got all their infos. They started doing mixtapes with these DJs, and like it took it. Some of them got major record radio or airplay from those experiences. Yeah. So that's kind of how Street Laced formed. While we were doing that... What, what year is that around? This was 2007, okay. 2008. Okay. While we're doing that, we get a phone call from Live Nation. And Dave Harb, who runs uh, the amphitheater here in Tampa, said, listen, you guys have a promo team, right? We said, sure. He goes, I need you guys to staff every concert event that I have at the arena. We're like, dude, like, like it's a lot of Live, shows. Live Nation's Huge. like the biggest. In, yes. They might be the biggest kind of uh, event... Uh, Concert promoters, yeah. yes, uh, putting it on of shows, if you will. And we're like, well, what do you mean you need this for every show? He goes, okay, I'll give you an example. Tim McGraw's playing this Friday. I need to promote uh, Brad Paisley coming in a few weeks, so I need your team inside the gates as people are coming in to hand out materials to promote my next show. And we're like, well, typically, do, why are you doing that as people come in? Typically, you do that as people are exiting, so they take the flyer, put it in their car, and they. he goes, but my philosophy is, as people are coming in, they're excited. They're happy to be there. They want things. Like, they want you to yeah. hand them. So that was his philosophy. But our, our mindset was, well, we're, are they going to take that and throw it in the trash? Like, right. They're not going to hold on to that. Right. But so it. for a while, it worked. But then he got tired of having to pay cleanup crews to pick up all the freaking flyers that are all over the ground inside wow. the gate. he also already paid for which he also already paid for, and you paid our team to staff this. So what he ended up doing was transitioning that to go, you know what, I want these flyers out into the public. I want them at bars. I want them at barbershops. I want them at pool halls. So our team started going out and doing the grassroots in mm -hmm. the market. Yeah. And so sure enough, that led to um, us taking over the Live Nation account. And at that time, I was in the door at the arena because I'm still with the Lightning. And I went to the event coordinator who, who handles all the events for the Light or for the uh, at the time was the St. Pete Times Forum and said, who do you guys use for like your flyering, your grassroots? And they told us and we said, listen, how do you know this guy that you're hiring doesn't take your flyers, throw them in the trash, and say, give me my check? The Which, old newspaper oh, yeah. joke yeah. with Mitch Hedberg. Yep. So <laughs> they said, well, we just, you know, we've been using it for years. I said, what if I told you that not only will my team uh, give you photos of your stuff, in, and this is before digital and social media, we literally had, again, disposable cameras. Yeah. Well, we make our teams go out when they put the materials in the locations. They would take a picture of it in the location and a picture of the storefront. So this is where your stuff is at. Not only are we going to give you pictures, but we're going to give you a location recap of where all your stuff is at. And we're going to do it for $50 less than your guy does. Done. So we took wow. over the account for the arena. We, yeah. we now had Live Nation. Guess what? Live Nation's getting a phone call from Ruth Eckert Hall. Who do you guys use for your grassroots? We use Street Laced. Done. Took over that account. Straz Center, AEG Live. And to this day, we still have all of these accounts. And I'll tell you what, wow. like, all right, that first time around, I bet it sucked. It sucked. It sucked ass. Today, everything you do the first time sucks. I'm trying to write a bit about this, <laughs> but everything you do for the first time sucks. Even. Even a BJ the first time around isn't all awkward. It, it, yeah, because it's always like, <laughs> "What is it? Oh, do, do I do I tap her on the shoulder? What do I do? Like, so everything, <laughs> everything you do the first time is horrible. Usually, it, it's yes. horrid, especially in business where I, I'm realizing this as well. And I, what I do is I keep a playbook on the side, sure, because I know I don't want to have to go back on the fly and figure this out. I want to have a social media marketing plan for another restaurant. Once I've get once I get my bearings on what I'm doing with this one, absolutely, and I have this templated out. That first time sucks. 
It does. But, but, but once you do it, and this is you got to remember the na- and I'm I'm pointing at you, but I'm really telling people that are listening, the nature of the game is uh, people want they don't want to have to keep rehiring people. Correct. You got to think of how managers hire people or. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know how you outsource a lot of work. Right. If you do it well, and they're excited, and that's part of the experience of making that account is uh, you. Uh, it sounds like what you did. What I call internally marketing. Correct. Or I'll have a retainer with someone, and I'll be like, "Look, isn't this how great it is that I know all this stuff to show y'all?" <laughs> and I keep reminding them, "Hey, there's a lot of value in this. I know I don't, I I know I have a rate like an attorney, but uh, there's a reason for it. Yeah, you're paying for the knowledge." Correct. At the same time, which is never in your hours. So yeah. what I when I would tell them, I keep internally marketing. It sounds like you do the same thing where, you know, on the exit, you go, hey, look right. how great this is. Correct. We added value Correct. by having these pictures. And I, yep. and I think that it, it shows on the website. If you guys uh, that are listening, head, o- uh, head over to streetlaced.com and click on the testimonials link. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking big, read, big names. Go ahead. Fel- read, read the one from Feld. Feld, Feld Entertainment, Feld, which is Feld Entertainment Disney is on Ice. Huge. That's Monster Jam. That's the Ringling brothers barnum and bailey circus it's, but i think the quote from chris rossbach on feld is fantastic it's huge definitely de- i'm not uh i'm not good at reading aloud so i'm okay. gonna let them do that on their time but it's i mean guys the i mean of course the lightning iHeartMedia, media iheart radio ruth eckard hall i mean it, go, it goes on and on img aeg i mean it's just the the names on this are huge and these aren't just one sentence uh man we love working with greg or yeah street lace is great these are these are paragraphs these that are, are that are from people who are in an industry an entertainment yeah. industry that understand um you know they have deadlines they have results that they have to accomplish they have things that they have to do and they have expectations and we by far exceed their expectations every time so um that's kind of how street lace started uh, our dj network is also something we pride ourselves on and again the reason why our dj network Um, is so phenomenal is again having been in the industry for so long we would hear these djs get frustrated especially guys that worked here in ybor city that at the end of the night they would have to wait until the bar manager or the owner would check out you know the the bar backs the the bar girl the the security officers why are you paying all these guys first before you're paying your dj because if your dj wasn't here you would not have your patrons having a good time continually drinking and feeding your wallet you need to pay these guys first and let them go home to their families and these guys were getting frustrated having to wait till four plus four in the morning to get their money and so we said listen what if we step in and we get your money for you yeah. And they're like, well, what do you mean? You literally show up to the club, you play, you leave. We'll get your money. Yeah. Hell yeah, how are you going to do that? Don't worry about it. We, we, need, we want a percentage. We're going to get a cut of this for our time and our effort. But is it worth it for you to not have to deal with the bullshit of the club owners, you know, making you wait until 4, 4.30 in the morning to get your money? Because what time are they done with their set? 3 o'clock in the morning. I so, mean, obviously, so by the time the bar closes, you're, gassed, you're tired. You just want to go home. Yeah. Can you all do this for comedians? I would love to, man. <laughs> yeah, right. We may have a comedian roster. Sure, man. Do you we'll want to have? Do you want to get 0% <laughs> of zero? No. <laughs> so we listened to these guys, and we started getting their money for them and networking and getting with the relationships. And, and the guys that we have on our roster, as you see, they're all major affiliated radio guys or they have a major entertainment affiliation. We literally have the best of the best DJs And, and in it's Tampa. expansive, too. It's not It's not three or four guys. No, I mean, we're, it's 20-plus. We're yeah, and we only add guys that we feel bring something to the table. We have a 13-year-old DJ on our roster, G- DJ Jake De La Cruz. I've seen him around town, Jake man. Jake is, is, is very well entrenched. He's created a niche for himself. He's, he's on Evolution Radio, which is on FL. 
Bellzy, which is an EDM station. He's done a great job for himself, and and he's he's a talented kid. So we have very um, specific reasons why we brought these guys to the table. In our DJ network now, we provide all the entertainment for the DJs, again, at Amelie Arena on the Bud Light Party Deck, on mm-hmm. the pregame stuff. Uh, we're the official entertainment provider of the IMG Academy in Sarasota. Yep. Um, you know, we do a lot of charity events. And again, it's about that uh, saturating the market with our brand. And uh, and it's really the people behind it. And, you know, we've done a really great job of getting ourselves out there because now, again, taking the mold of the hip-hop world and putting that to major business. Again, grassroots is not rocket science. It mm-hmm. is literally going away from the traditional media of social media and all these things. Everything's gone digital. Well, guess what? We have learned that the conversation and the hand-to-hand and the face-to-face interaction yep. will always go a lot farther than you seeing an ad on a feed on your Snapchat or your Instagram. You're scrolling right past that. But yeah, if no, I have no question, yeah, not if, if I, I not if I do it, but yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. If <laughs> I have a five second or twenty second conversation with you about an event or I hand you something, and you remember that, inter- you're going to remember that a thousand times more than you are some ad that's in your Facebook feed. And that method is still used to this day, and it works for us. It works for our clients. You can go to the latest on our tab. We're working with lawyers now in food trucks. And we're coming up with great ways to get these guys new business. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, the mold that we put together is coming from a hip hop world and Mm -hmm. coming from things that we know have worked and still work to this day. So uh, so that's kind of what Street Lace is about. Um, Me and my partner, we've been together for over 10 years now. The The company has been in business for over 10 years. And the reason why I chose to leave the radio world uh, was because corporations and it sucks to say this because I loved my 20 years in radio here in Tampa, but at the end of the day, you're just a number to them. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the people that have made it up the, the, the ladder, so to speak, you know, for whatever reasons, they've networked within that world. Um, but I just felt like the opportunities, I've done pretty much what I could do. I mean, I did the radio thing, dominated it on air. Did the behind-the-scenes thing as promotions director for three of the properties here in Tampa for over six years. Did the behind-the-scenes thing. And it just got to the point where I felt like there was really nothing left for me to do. And now that I have a great company, I've created a brand, we've we've gotten ourselves out there for the last 10 years, it's now time to focus 100% on us. And it's scary to go from a corporate job where you, you got a paycheck every week, you got benefits and 401k. It's a scary jump to say, I'm leaving that world behind and I'm doing this for myself. Yeah. But again, going back to, like you said, where this all started back on the, you know, uh, the, the AM station, you're not going to let yourself fail. You know, if, if you're a go-getter, you're a hustler, you understand what it takes, that's what you need to apply to yourself and that's what you need to apply to your business. And so that's what we've done. I feel like we've just really started scratching the surface of what our capabilities yeah. are. And, so, And I'll be honest with you, from an outsider looking in, uh, I feel like a lot of people might not know about Street Laced unless they're looking for it. Correct. The, so the, And the first time I saw it was probably a few months back. So And it was it was one of those things where I was like, oh, what is Oh, Greg's doing this? Like, damn, this right. is pretty cool. Yep. So I feel like with this new push of you, you know, being in, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a new endeavor because it's been around for 10, 10 years. years now, but uh, giving it your full attention now, yes. I think a lot more people are going to start seeing Street Laced around and Correct. it's going to be a more common common Absolutely. kind of name for people. We, we've we done a great job. Like we did all the Frozen 4 stuff here a couple weeks ago with the yeah. NCAA. That's another big client of ours is the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. Thanks to Rob Higgins. We've got a great relationship with them and obviously the National College Football Championship is in Tampa this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be huge. So I'll we, be at that for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's going to be, dude, there's going to be so many amazing events in the city and 
putting our best foot forward for the Frozen Four, which was the third most attended Frozen Four in its 69-year history. Wow. Um, the, all the events surrounding that, we did everything. We did the, the student welcome reception at the Getaway, uh, which was a private event. We did the... Um, we did the uh, student uh, autograph sessions, which were at Tampa Theater uh, before the Hobie Baker Award. The Hobie Baker Award is for the best uh, collegiate athlete in the entire country. I mean, uh, I know. Country. Caleb, I mean, say for Caleb. Yes, I'm obvious. still trying to figure out icing. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what so flavor? What? We've done great stuff with the Sports Commission, and that was obviously to plant the, the seeds to, to be able to be involved in the National College Football Championship. I hosted the event. Um, I did the Women's Final Four as a host last year. And the and they and the relationships we're building now with the NCAA well, and the sporting world that's gonna it's continue funny, on. It's funny, like uh, I get a lot of shit for doing a lot of different things, and I go, no, this this it it all kind of helps, and you don't realize it. You haven't lost a step as far as hosting anything. I mean, right? If anything, you've been the easiest guest we've ever had on because <laughs> uh, you've you've been in the room where you've had to basically have a conversation, but you're in a room by yourself. Correct. So I can tell you, ha- you know, that muscle's there, uh, but. It's like someone was like, hey, can you go step in because this person bailed last second to host this thing. You're like, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. I already got 10,000 hours on this. Yeah, I I can get in there. Easy. Uh, So you haven't lost a step in that way. It doesn't mean that you won't get back into radio at some point if that fragments out. Sure. You know, which... Which you ha- never know. Which it, is a normal cycle of any industry where it condenses to like the collusion period where it's at right now. Yep. And then it's going to start fragmenting out. Maybe podcasting is kind of that area. Maybe. But, yeah. Um, my, I guess we could talk to you for definitely Hours. a long time. Sure. <laughs> I want to make stories. sure. I wanna, we'll have you back for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to. We want to make sure we, uh, I guess we try to, this is supposed to be realistic advice for a lot of people that are listening or either entrepreneurs that are a little lonely, isolated, and kind of need to... I, I tell people a lot of my consulting stuff is like being a personal trainer. It's basically the entrepreneurial game is very isolating. You're by yourself a lot of the time. You have to make all the decisions, but you got to look like you know everything <laughs> you're doing. So True story. A, lot of my, a lot of my job is literally just talking to the small business owners or startups and stuff and telling them they're not crazy or they are crazy. Like, right. this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. You know, use your moral compass in sure. a lot of ways. For, uh, or your professional, you know, someone that is working that that office job has ideas that, that, that want to do something else. Um, and how do I start that up? I guess that's the two audiences we kind of have right now. Sure. What? So we want to do like realistic advice. What's good realistic advice to give? It's do you? And it could be. I'm more interested in the thing you're like. I get up and I you know slam out a hundred push-ups every morning or something like that. Something that gets you going. Very simple, pragmatic. The answers are the answers are simple, but they're not easy. Right. So I think at the end of the day, um, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to believe in yourself, and you can't let anything stop you or deter you from following through on what you know you're capable of doing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, you need. I mean, life is short, and you need to do what makes you happy. If you're passionate about something, why are you going to let anything get in your way of completing that goal or that task or whatever your dream is? 
there's going to be bumps along the way. You're going to fail at certain things. Not not everything's going to come easy. You know, nobody made it into the NFL or the NBA by not putting in hard work. I mean, they they had a dream and they fulfilled that dream. You're going to get knocked down, but you got to get back up. And at Chumbawamba. the Chumbawamba, Chumbawamba, <laughs> great song. Um, not really. Um, so, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's really you have to believe in yourself. You're your own brand at the right. end of the day, and you have to be able to find ways to um, do whatever it takes. You have to utilize your resources and pull from your resources, your resources and your friends and people that your connections and the things that you have around you, that's where you pull from. Yeah. And that's how you build the blocks, the foundation to get you to where you need to get to. The douchey term is social capital. Yeah. It's, it is. And I mean, we no, were... No, it, it, look, it, it is. is. It is what it is. It uh, is. Look, I, we have it to... We don't do a lot of marketing. And it, uh, we do marketing for other people. Right. And I need to follow our own advice in a lot of ways. But I we've been relying on social capital. And I know that won't, that is not a good plan. Not that, for, in the long run. Because it's going to change. It's always right. changing. Right. So we always need to keep pulling in new business. Right. And, and it, we can't just rely on the connections we've had in this area just by not being douchebags in this area for a while. Like that, So there, social capital just sounds douchey. It's like someone tells me you have uh, EQ, which is like, uh, emotional uh, quotient, your emotional intelligence essentially is like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, but you can just say I can listen to people. That, I mean, that's all. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, right. Call yeah. it what it is. Um, so uh, that is good advice, and you got a lot of grit. I think that's the thing to take away for a lot of people listening. Is you know, you don't. It sounds like you do what I do, where you go, yeah, I'll do that. What What do you need? Okay, and then you then you walk out of the room and you go, all right, I got to reverse engineer this plan. <laughs> right. Like I got to figure this Done thing deal. out. Don't deal. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell anybody like, yeah, we'll get it done, and then I'll walk out and go, oh fuck, what all right, gonna I got to really call we, some people yes. up, you know. So, but that's good because then it challenges you to go, okay, maybe I didn't have how this was going to be done or executed in that fashion, but then it it, it forces forces you forces you to, forces you to think. And that's where you start pulling from those resources and start thinking about, well, we did this one time. I wonder if we could take some of those, you know, factors and put that to this. And yeah. the same thing with grassroots. Not everything's going to be a home run. But if you pull from things that you know have worked in the past or you think are going to work now in today's market, then you try them. And, and if they work, great. If they don't, then you go back to the drawing board. And I think the most important thing that happens that uh, I don't think it happens all the time, but it actually gets done. It does. Because there's so many yeah. people that say, yeah, we'll do that. And the deadline comes around. And it's hey, just what you know, the night before you, they shoot that email out. Hey, right. just wanted to give you a heads up. Gonna need a little more time. It's like, right. dude, no. you, can either, you can either do it or you can't. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's the people that walk out of that room and and they say, shit, I got to come up with something here. But that next step after you say that is the most important step of the whole process. Right. And that's what leads to getting it done. And I don't know. I just I think that's that's a big difference. I, people either have that or they don't. I think people can develop it. They can, but, but it's I think not that's really a taught. Tough, that's a tough process right. to develop that. So I, I, I want to thank you. I think that's yeah. um, it's been awesome, man. That, I, appreciate I think you the, guys. the advice you've been able to give, the stories you've been able to share are uh, if, if our listeners didn't gain something from this episode, then that's their own damn fault. They, damn. you know, so sorry uh, for you guys. Where where can people find Street Laced? Where can sure. people find you? Uh, Streetlaced.com is our main source. You can actually get to our socials from uh, the website, but uh, we actually switched it up. Like on Twitter, it's Street Laced DJs because obviously we're promoting most of our DJ stuff on Twitter. So mm-hmm. our Twitter is Street Laced DJs. Our uh, Instagram is Street Laced Promo, and our Facebook is Street Laced Marketing. We kind of switched them up. We didn't go 
build yeah. the same thing for each one because each element is different. A little so, different reach for each uh, for each platform. There you go. So streetlace.com though is where you can see all of our stuff. You can see our if you click the latest tab, that's where you can see all the most uh, latest things that we've been doing. Uh, like you said, the portfolio and the and the testimonials. I mean, the testimonials alone, like you said, are, are extremely valuable yeah. to us because they are from some major players uh, in the entertainment world. So um, it's it's been a it's it's been a great ride, but I really just feel like we're just beginning, man. That's I really awesome. do. So thank you guys for having me. I would love to come back and host with you guys. For again, sure, so. man. Absolutely. Definitely. We'll All make right. it happen. Uh, Sweat Equity Podcast. Tell a friend. Tell a loved one. Tell... Your mom, you know, tell, tell her, her what a podcast is. She Mother's Day is know. coming up. Give it her is. a sweat equity episode. Just May say, 8th. hey, mom, you want to get that Etsy store off the ground? Let's do this shit. Do all it. Right? Listen to this podcast. It's it, OK. It's it's like radio, but it's on demand. You got to go through iTunes. Uh, that's why you got to pitch it to her. That's right. Rock that's all roll. I tell people. It's so easy. I appreciate you coming on. And Thank uh, you we'll definitely have you back. Rock Peace. and roll.